Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 17. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Scroobius Pip. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at Scroobius Pip. Yo, why you'd want to do that, I do not know. I don't know why I've mentioned that so early. I've not given you any reason to want to hit me up at this point, other than if you watch. I wish to argue about the name of the podcast, which isn't up for debate. Don't know what I'm talking about. Um, This week's guest is Kate Tempest. A lot of you have requested this one. She's had an amazing 12 months and has been blowing up. Um, It's the oldest friend I've had on the podcast. Um, I've known Kate for a a long while now, so it was really great to get to sit down and chat with her. Um, As, I mean, you know, you'll... I'd imagine have high hopes as you've all been requesting this one and she's a great talker and we have a great discussion so really looking forward to hearing this but before that I should do the sponsors that keep this podcast free uh one being speech development records that's my record label um if you go to speechdevelopmentrecords.com or scroobiuspip.co.uk um you can support the web the podcast by going and buying things from the web store we've got t-shirts we've got mugs we've got hats we've got jackets we've got a lot of cds and dvds as well so there's a lot of things on there there's digital downloads all sorts um you can get my Edinburgh Fringe show for just five pounds digital download um five star reviews 19 shows sold out in a row um so yeah check that out speech development records yeah uh we're also brought to you by onit.com onit is a human optimization website that um has a lot of 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 of, of weight training stuff and, f- and fitness stuff and annoys me because um obviously with them uh sponsoring the show um i would you know i'd use the 10 percent discount that you guys can get by going to onit.com slash scroobius pip that's o-n-n-i-t.com slash s-c-r-o-o-b-i-u-s-p-r-p um i'd use it to buy some of their weight stuff but in the uk obviously it's expensive to ship that stuff but they've, they've got these amazing kettlebells that the primal bells they've got uh monkeys on which sounds ridiculous but they've got monkeys they're <laughs> they've got monkeys carved into them and they're kind of made and balanced so it doesn't affect in any negative way so you can still get a good workout out of them but they also do um stuff for the brain and for your general well-being so check them out and as said you get 10% discount just for listening to this show by going to onnit.com slash s-c-r-o-o-b-i-u-s-p-i-p i forgot my name for a second there the third and final way for you to support the podcast is to subscribe it really means a lot and makes a difference it's a free way for you to help us i'll explain this basically if you subscribe and have it download the new episode each week then it basically helps our chart position helps our download numbers and makes us more more appealing to advertisers that um take on your role of paying for this if that makes sense i'd rather the, the reason we have sponsors is so that i can make it free to you guys i'd rather some big company's advertising budget pays and you keep uh, your money in your pocket or spend it on sweets or whatever you fancy spending it on so yeah please subscribe on acast or itunes or anywhere you fancy s- s- subscribing or simply at distractionpiecespodcast.com that's enough of the intro really isn't it um yeah kate tempest amazing spoken word artist and rapper and mc and poet and r- writer in general um we had a great chat 
I'm looking forward to you hearing it. I'll be back at the end with information of next week's show and just some more stuff to tell you. So see you in a bit. We're good. Well, in that case, we've begun. I'm here with Kate Tempest. How are you doing, Kate? I'm really good, Pip. Nice to see you. It's lovely to see you, and I'm really pleased with this scenario. Because <laughs> yeah. we're normally either at a gig or like at the radio show or things like that at the, at the studios. Yeah. And this is nice, because you're off writing in Whitstable. Is yeah. that allowed? Am I allowed to reveal your I location? I or shall so, I beat yeah. that out? I think, I think it'll be all right. Um, and it's, it's lovely. It's a nice, quiet little seaside town. How are you finding a Whitstable? You've essentially gone from album coming out, everyone going mental, touring, Mercury nomination, more mentalness, more touring, to Whitstable. Yeah. yeah. Which is beautiful. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful kind of scope. It feels nice. It feels like um, everything did go pretty mental. We were on, on the road for ages and it was great. We were touring loads of very kind of public um, stuff, you know, gigging and press yeah. and that. And so I've got this novel I'm, I've got to finish. And uh, so, so I'm just here with my dog and, like, this is maybe the first human contact I've actually had in I love the it. week. It's good. It's good, though, right? You're yeah. feeling... I feel lovely. I feel, it's good like, from it. It's, it's an amazing kind of, thing. People get particularly living in London and, and, and coming from London, there's the constant urge to surround yourself with people constantly. And that's not not necessarily always the best situation for creativity or even just for your mental health, I don't think. I think you need a, a balance of the two, personally. That could be because I'm a, a boring a recluse who sits at home <laughs> with my flat on the side and I'm, I'm justifying it. But I, I don't know, I think for, for, for ideas to develop and grow, whether it be creative or actual personality or personal things, yeah, yeah. you need a bit of space, right? I think it's like... When you when you've got when you when I'm at home when I'm in London it's just there's so much distraction which is brilliant like, you know I've got my mates there and there's like loads to see and do and you want to there's like the studios down the road and all that stuff and um, I just had because I just got this thing I need to do I just wanted to just um, just be somewhere where I'm, I know I'm not just going to just get up and go out or yeah. you know get stuck into going to see a band or whatever so I've just been it's feeling really good I'm like. I've got another week to go and then it's back out on tour and then it's like I was saying to you then it's like six months or something of yeah. quite intense touring so I just, I'm just getting ready for that as well getting ready to just not be yeah. knackered and give it my all and all that kind of stuff that's wicked I said I've, I really like the yeah I love it as an idea particularly at that point where a lot of people would be going man that's been a hell of a year do you know what I mean on, <laughs> yeah. on, on the top on the kind of potentially going off the rails a little bit or yeah, potentially yeah, yeah. you know and the beauty of it is you, you've gone from kind of I guess having to be on guard or on on show all the time yeah, because yeah. of how the Mercury stuff went as well, and we will go into more detail on all of this. But that's the, uh, I'm not going to keep going on about this. But have you felt there's been that that ability to just uh, let your guard down and just be you, not be Kate Tempest? Yeah, and, man. Oh, what do you think of the Mercury nomination? What do you think <laughs> of the album? What do you think of the tour and all this? Just go right. I'm just essentially I'm here 
to keep this dog alive. <laughs> yes, nice. Yeah. Like I'm just like <laughs> this is my main thing. I'm writing as well, but I'm, yeah. I'm mainly the companion of this. It's lovely. I'm, I'm having a lot of dog chat. I haven't got a clue that I've yeah, got not, a Mercury nomination. <laughs> so. I'm like, well, I'm going down the beach and walking around and like, do you know what I mean? Talking to people about what, um, like what their dog likes to eat. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, if anyone's a dog owner, but you do get into these quite intense, brilliant dog chat conversations while your dogs are playing. Anyway, yeah, that's the, maybe the not the film. most rock and roll kind of thing to no, reveal no, that I've been up to. <laughs> I mean, also... The, I'm, I'm going to use a line that I, I worked in HMV for years and I had a manager called Tim, who I really liked, who was a Welsh lad. Um, and he, he'd got a new dog yeah. and it's the same breed as yours. Wicked. And he came in one day and just went, Pip, Pip, look at this. He's like, I've just got a wolf in my house. Yeah, it's the most amazing <laughs> yeah. thing. And, and he is. Yeah. Oh, what kind of dog is, what is the, he's do a, you know the He's breed? a husky Malamute cross. And it's just a wolf he's just a wolf. strolling about yeah. your house. It's the best thing in the world. It's amazing. Right? It's lovely. It, and like when he's like, when we go out, there's a woodland up the road and like watching him, he's like hunting for like, you know, hunting the rabbits and the squirrels. Yeah. He's never caught one, but like just watching that, it's so like, it's so amazing to just watch him. Like all his instincts are just like, bang on like his ears are up yeah. he's like he's like stalking jumping all the stuff and it's like it's pure joy when you're hanging out with I mean whatever like I obviously I love my dog but yeah. it's just so nice to just get away from yeah like you're saying interviews and all that kind of, well here's an interview but yeah. it's a bit different because yeah. we know each yeah. other but like to just be somewhere where none of that matters and um yeah just it's beautiful like the sea you can just see for see for miles you know yeah. it's like and the sea like no matter how big an idea is the idea I'm working on just keeps getting bigger and bigger. You start going mental with that. You go outside, you look at the sea. That's bigger than any yeah, idea yeah, you could yeah, ever yeah. have. So you're just like, all right, okay, fine. Do you know what I mean? When you're when it's you're beautiful. looking at something that big, the sky, the sea, the beach, you're just like, yeah, what you know, puts you back in touch with like all of this stuff. Just being, it's a labour of love. You know, it doesn't have to be a struggle. This is a really amazing job to have. Yeah. And like, I think when you're like right in it, it can get a bit um, gets you know, just, you just get a bit tunnel vision, get a bit it, lost. It, it can get completely warped I remember um I'm, I'm gonna name drop now but I remember with yeah. two people um with Adele and with Kate Nash I remember when their first albums were coming out and Jack Openiai became a theme because I think they all I I gigged with a lot of them but they all yeah. had their albums out before me and it's that weird thing of when you're in the middle of it it's hard to see how amazing it all is you suddenly become focused on right is it Oh, what are the sales? Are we in the chart? Where are we in the chart? Or oh, what are the t- t- ticket <laughs> yeah. sales like? Or are we going to win this or win that? And on all of them, on the day of their album, I kind of have a thing of hitting them up, just saying, just take a second in the midst, particularly with all of them, that all were looking for number one albums. Yeah, that's this. a bit of a different league, isn't but it? Just, but still, just, <laughs> just, just email them saying, look, just how cool is it that you've got an album in a... In, in a record shop. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. If you go in a record shop, your, your it name is, is, it, it's it got is. its own little card. Like <laughs> someone's had to make that little header board and it's you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how amazing is that? And I think that's that's a, a why stepping away from things is absolutely key. I've always had a thing on, on New Year's Eve. It's my, my favourite night of the year and all my mates will never, ever get their heads around it because they all think I hate it, but I stay in on New Year's Eve. And the point of that is exactly that. I spend so much of my life at yeah. gigs, in venues, and New Year's Eve is one to go... Man, we it's played a festival in front of thousands of people this year, and we did this and did that, and kind of yeah. reflect and take it all back. So it's nice. Can, uh, can you see yourself moving from city life to to more r- rural? I don't know if I could. I mean, maybe sometimes you think about it, and you think, "Oh, that, that'd be nice." But actually, the reality is, I'm a city girl, always have yeah. been, and like, 
my home, like South London, is is changing a lot. That's another thing which is kind of on my mind at the moment. Of like, the, my, you know, like you know, your, your home changes when you're from yeah. a city that's constantly growing. What's and going on with Brixton, man? Well, right, exactly. Do you Crazy, know what I mean? And it's it? and I always I'm, thought I'm, South I'm, London would be I'm, immune I'm to it. I'm not sure at all if it's a bad thing. It, it could be a, a great thing, but there seems to be so much going on that it's becoming such a cool hit place, yeah. and it's the same with parts of East London. It kind of coming. From, from Essex as a kid and going into London for gigs and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brixton was somewhere you you look after yourself. You yes, keep an eye on shit. Yes, you don't just go right, there kind yeah. of... I don't get too drunk at a gig in Brixton. Yeah. Because I've got to get home and it's... Brixton is it's rough. Whereas now it's going so on the art side of things and culture and all that, which is, is dope, but it always worries me. It, it, it always... I always remember I had a, a couple of friends um, who who... Two girls, in fact, who got j- jumped in East London after a night out, which is absolutely horrible. They got yeah. attacked and all this. But the thing that struck me when I heard the story was, well, it was 3, 4 a.m. and you're walking around a rough areas just because there's a cool little sp- spoken word bar there or, yeah, or some right. yeah, sh- yeah. shit like that. You've got to remember that you're, you're, yeah, you're strolling yeah. through estates and you're strolling through kind of a rough place and I think that's the problem is I'm, f- I'm fine with the the arts and beautiful cool projects and things that come into these areas as long as you're aware and respectful of what of what you're you're str- 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 it's just what the weird thing about around, it is right? is that these like it's like the, the two worlds exist in this, on the same street but they're like they're completely closed off from each other yeah. like you know it's and that's the thing that I find odd it's like brilliant if all this new stuff is coming into an area but if it's completely ignoring the the like the people who are from there the people yeah. that are never going to go and spend four quid on a coffee in this nice coffee shop yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah. like it's just a weird kind of feeling where the oh, I don't know it's it's been talked about a lot as well and I don't really want to kind of yeah talk about it now but it's I like the thing about that is that you you kind of feel like oh, you know what's happening what like lp says i wish my home still existed do you know what yeah, i mean he's talking yeah, about brooklyn yeah, 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 and sometimes yeah. i'm walking around south london like brixton or newcastle or peckham or whatever and it's like wait a minute what what happened here yeah, like yeah. so i've just fled to which yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's why like, I, I don't think um the, the way it is at the minute like when you're when you're touring a lot and everything when you come back like it's you kind of already feel a bit disconnected you know home you already have that weird home, detached man. like home needs to be home yeah but um, I still go down the bird's nest and just like be like, okay, here we are. It's all right. This still exists. Yeah. We're all right. You know what I mean? So let's go back then. I mean, I was excited about this podcast because I think you're probably the oldest guest I've had on, in the or oldest person I know, <laughs> like person I've known the longest. <laughs> right, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 kind of nice because I guess we both started this on the spoken word scene around the same time, um, and I think the South London thing was a good connection there because yeah, yeah. I instantly feel more comfortable hearing a South London accent because because all my family from mm. from Lewisham and, and, and Peckham and around all, all them ways. Um, but how did it all start off for you? Because a, a girl growing up in South London. Um, it doesn't instantly make you think a spoken word, a love of literature, a love of, of poetry, but I guess it does potentially make you think of rap. So what was your kind of... Your well, like, there? I was... Um, yeah, I, was, I just love music. I was just this kind of odd kid, had a bit of a weird time. Um, when I was a young teenager or whatever, wasn't, you know, I got into a bit of trouble and then I found music. I got a job in this record shop and a lot of my mates were um, graffiti writers, rappers or whatever, and... I was kind of writing. I was always loved to read and write. Loved it, and um, 
but it was all it was like a private thing you know and yeah. it was like my, my kind of secret shame. thing yeah, yeah. shame and <laughs> yeah. it's shame poetry shame and then uh, I got into hip-hop through just being around it and just being in love with the music and um kind of after a few years you know I was writing these raps and eventually I kind of told him I told my mate who was a rapper that you know I've written this rap or whatever and then I started rapping and it was amazing and it was like a really it taught me a lot about confidence and um it just gave me something to completely live for I got, got so stuck into it I, I just lived and breathed for music and then you know it wasn't it was kind of before YouTube or yeah. we were like cutting vinyl still it was yeah. that it was like you yeah, know showing my age now but like um and then the spoken word thing was a bit of an accident a friend of mine told me about this slam I think maybe you were even there at the first slam or maybe you weren't um, Joshua was there yeah. in, and um, Musa was there it was this like it was, slam was in on the it? green I don't, I don't know what it was called it was like £100 prize yeah. in Ladbroke Grove and I went down and I just told my poem and um, which was just a rap without any music yeah and so, and I won the, I won the prize and I got give, I got offered loads of gigs and suddenly like it was like fifty pound for a twenty minute slot you know this kind of thing yeah. and like I was like what the, what is this and then just that I suppose when you're rapping people who don't like hip hop immediately switch off but yeah. if you're just saying the words without a beat yeah. no matter what kind of music people are into they're just watching a person say some words then they can kind of open up to you and. I just started doing poetry with apples and snakes and things like that yeah. and did that for a couple of years and then suddenly I was just in this world like yeah. that. It's amazing how quick and easy it is and, and, and people yeah. don't realise that. And not easy in in a, a lazy way, but particularly with the spoken word scene, if you go to most spoken word nights, there's going to be people that run other spoken word nights mm. there or people in the scene and interconnected in some way. Because I... My, I kind of scammed it when I came along because I kind of, I toured about um, outside of of London just doing gigs on street corners and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, and then I came back and I was doing three or four or five open mics a week, and the thinking there was, and I only did that for like a month or so or two three, or three weeks, and the thinking there was, if you're you're doing that, then if someone I was at one night and goes, oh, was it, there was this, again, yeah, it helps yeah, when yeah. you're at six foot four, you've got a beard and you're wearing <laughs> yeah. a suit and a trucker cap. It's kind of, you can't miss if someone's like, oh, I saw this guy and someone says, oh yeah, I know of him. So it instantly makes people think I'm established and been around for ages when I was just touring around these few small places. Yeah. But that scene is so interconnected that you instantly give the illusion of, oh, these people have heard of you, therefore, or seen you alive even. That's a bigger thing. They've seen you live, therefore yeah, yeah. you must be... And they're a part of it. But I and think they were what, just like, open mics. It was free. You just strolling in and A lot of the people that like um, I I became closest to within the scene and everything, yeah. n- none of them had like kind of set out to do spoken word. Yeah, it yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like they were already writing or they were already doing things and then they kind of found this world, this kind of community of people that were doing it. And I met lots of people who had been doing it for years, like 20 years, you know, yeah. like... People like Tim Wells and like and yeah. um, and Selena Godden obviously and then yeah, Phil Jeepers who's doing the Porky the Poet thing and there was and so there's the, that cult that side of it and then there was like people like Polar Bear who like, like immediately a great example like, immediately of he was kind of almost ashamed to start doing spoken word <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of he stumbled into it and didn't intend to and yeah it was the same uh, me and him the first gig we did together we kind of connected because we f- felt like the ones who weren't really meant to be there yeah, had yeah, been kind yeah. of letting at any point they're going to go 
what you're doing here. Like, particularly those <laughs> yeah. at nights, I run by people like Musa and Josh, who, uh, like, Musa is one of my favourite people in the world. I'm going to have him on the podcast, but on first meeting, he's clearly a posh dude. A Pojazzy was in, like, a cocktail bar in, like, in yeah. West London and stuff like that. So it was, like, instantly thinking, this is, we're out of place here, but... But, but it's it funny clicks. because it's like the, the like the variety of things, the variety of places that you get to go and perform in if you're doing like spoken word. Like me and Polar Bear once we had to do this gig and it was in this pub in like, oh, Mil- not Milton Keynes, that other like, oh, what is that place called? Oh, just a place, Tunbridge Wells. Tunbridge it was Wells. like a pub in Tunbridge Wells and it nice. was like the football was on and they'd like just sectioned off like an area of the pub and that was going to be like Poetry Corner or whatever. And there's just right. like loads of people trying to have a drink. And like me and Polar Bear rock up to this pub in Tunbridge Wells. And there's like, I don't know, like 11 people that have paid their four quid to come and see this poetry night. And we were just like, what What are we going to do? Like, no. And then, but we, we ended up just, do you know what I mean? Telling poems for like two hours. It ended up being like a really fun, yeah. pretty odd gig. But to, you know, you do something like that. And then the next thing you do is in a library and like, yeah. or whatever. And it, or you do like school things, or then you have to go, and, or then you do like a poem in between bands at like a, a pub or whatever. And I think it, it's really good actually. It gives you this like, this understanding of what people in a space are kind of expecting and how to just like subvert their expectations, how to meet their expectations, and mm. like how to just know what you're on, no matter like how intimidating a place is or how uncomfortable you might I feel. It, like, I think it really helps build sh- showmanship in that way because yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're slung on in any circumstance because all you need is a microphone so and I think it's what I think particularly my early experiences of going to hip hop gigs it's what a lot of hip hop lacked for a long while because it was always just a guy with a mic and his beats and there was no that's all you ever had that's all you ever ever needed and it's kind of the spoken word artists I know I like seeing you perform and and a a few others because you've had to go through that um I don't know, the fire there of doing it in a pub when the football's on and right. then doing it. And even, I think it's extremes as well. I think doing it at, at what was that night? Um, Farrago or something that was at RADA yeah, yeah, yeah. that was re- felt really posh and really yeah. like everyone was really educated. That's as much of a, a scary and weird thing because you're like, right, this isn't, this isn't the same. This isn't what I know. And it's kind of annoying that you're getting all famous and shit now and everyone knows who you are because one of the things I used to love the most was the how quick you'd turn the crowd round because you'd get up there and clearly be a South London girl <laughs> kind of in your trainers and tracksuit bottoms <laughs> and, you know, just clearly not, you know, not like <laughs> where J- Josh or someone is so booming and yes, yeah. hello, is me kind of stumbling up and mumbling a bit and be all right. Yeah. And shuffling then just, onto stage exactly. with a beer. <laughs> always with a beer in hand shuffling on the stage but then just starting and people going oh shit and particularly in those scenes where rap stylists uh, stylings were frowned upon a bit so you had to be good like uh, it's one of the things that's that's the struggle with polar bear as well we should i mean we're uh, referencing him him so much uh, we should we, uh, we should have him here really but it was one of them things that it was that feeling of they they they're already on edge cuz you're not posh and you're, and you're rapping <laughs> so when you win them over it means all the more and it kind of yeah. it 
it gets them on board. But the, the same thing happened in hip hop as well. Like you know, walk into a into a cipher or up onto stage at an open mic in like a kind of rap event or whatever, and people, you know, every my whole life, people have always been like like underestimating me or like misunderstanding why yeah. I'm doing there or just looking at me and thinking a certain thing and then the thing that was always a constant was like I, I had this thing that I could do these words and that was like just my way of like levelling the playing field yeah. and like whether that whether that was like a you know a cypher full of kind of big very hip hop looking dudes or like a kind of posh spoken word thing or like Charlie Dark invited me down to this like the opening of the new Louis Vuitton Maison in Bond Street. There's supermodels everywhere and he's got like a bunch of 10 young poets to come and do this. For, like, anywhere. I was always out of place Charlie everywhere. Charlie Dark always has the weirdest hookups he in gets the, the world. Gigs, he's right? got the gigs, He's, he's got the gigs. He's got the bizarre... I don't know how yeah. or why. It's just... It's amazing. It's his vibe. Um, just speaking of, 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 of the early kind of... Like having to get over that, that fence in, in rapping, I remember playing some of your stuff... To, to example of all people and him saying I remember this girl from yeah, yeah. from Cyphers and from from Freestyle Battles so so how was that and and is it comparable uh, reward wise of getting the respect there or getting the respect in I mean you've done some posh damn gigs in your in in, <laughs> in your life now yeah. now you've been um, embraced by the th- theatre world and the yeah, literature yeah. world and everyone, everything else so, so what feels more rewarding because my instinct would be you'd be more excited for a group of kids in trackies oh, yeah. and caps kind of going oh shit she's dope than a room f- full of well-dressed people going isn't she How marvelous interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, well it's all like it's all one and the same really the thing when i was younger i was you know desperately i was you know like i'm saying i was, I was obsessed with what i was mm. doing and I couldn't be in a place where people liked rapping without rapping at people. I just couldn't do yeah, it. I, yeah, could, yeah. Like, I couldn't even walk past a group of kids on a street who looked like hip hop fans without like literally running up into their <laughs> into their circle <laughs> and being like, "Yo, yo, no!" But I rap. But you know, or like if seeing a kid rapping and like challenging them to fucking battle on the street in Croydon, like it was ridiculous, embarrassing, and ridiculous. And luckily, I've grown out of it. But like, I love it. It's, well, it's a different time. It's a different time, man. But yeah. and then now, as I've grown older, like. Um, the the um, like the way that the poetry establishment has kind of in some ways opened its arms like some people are still really snobbish about it and don't really think I belong there but to be working with someone like Don Patterson who's my editor yeah. at Picador yeah. I mean that for me is like a it's a big deal because for ages for years I had to put my own you know you know this I had to put my own poetry books out to start yeah. my own publishing company I had to print my own stuff the books were always really expensive because I wanted them to look really beautiful so we had to like spend loads of money because oh, it was just the, the whole thing the whole process of like you know bootlegging your own thing and turning yeah, up and selling yeah. it and, and suddenly Picador who are like you know they're, it's a big deal <laughs> and they the and they publish poetry and it's a whole different world of poetry yeah. to the world that we know and to go into that world I was like you know intimidated and everything else but when they when I started speaking to Don and he started teaching me about what a page can do that a stage can't yeah and he's going like, you know, you can't perform a semicolon, but on the page it's doing a lot and like all this kind of stuff. I got, I get, a, I'm, st- you know, I got, I get a real buzz out of the I, the fact that I'm now a published poet and that and that that my collection exists and it's published by the same people that published, you know, Caroline Duffy or yeah. Glyn Maxwell or like Ro- Robin Robertson, all these people that I didn't really know about before, but now I'm reading, I'm reading poetry on the page and I'm thinking about myself as a writer and all this kind of stuff so I still get 
but the thing is what I'm saying is I still feel really blown away that so for example that the the album came out and it was well received and yeah. we, obviously we got the Mercury nod and like having that happen at the same time as having the poetry book come out and um well I don't know it, like the, the, the I'm, I'm still a rapper I'm still a rapper at heart I, yeah. I'm still a musician I've yeah, been yeah, desperate yeah. to make music forever and for a long time I was making music and it wasn't going very well so the fact that now the music's out and I'm doing that and I'm pursuing that side of my creativity but at the same time I'm growing you know trying to write a novel trying to be a writer trying to yeah. be a writer of different kinds of things it's like um, it's all writing right it's all it's all writing, it's all writing so. but it's like it's just it's mental I can't even quite explain myself properly because it's such a weird mixture of feelings of like I still, f- I still feel like I'm trying to prove myself all the time. Yeah. And even as you do more, you, the more you do, the more you've got left to prove. It's weird. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's a, um, I think it's good. It's, I often end up, I bring th- things back to mixed martial arts or, or, or Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu. But there's a, th- a thing in Brazilian jiu-jitsu where it's kind of, you, you should never be, it's, it's never good to be the the best person on the mat. It's yeah. always good to have someone. B- b- better than you should always be a white belt compared to someone yeah, so yeah, there's yeah, always yeah. that so and that's yeah. the, the, the thing if you're, you're drifting in between a world it's like right I'm killing it here I'm going to continue to kill it here but if I'm going to do that I need to have something that I'm I'm, I'm the white belt at I'm, yeah. I'm the novice at that I'm learning to keep myself hungry rather than just go I make albums I kill it it's, you know showing yeah, it's always yeah. having that thing always be a white belt at something and kind of yeah, yeah, I think that's key. But it's fascinating. You were saying about the page of poetry because that's something I've I've never really written and I've never really read or known much. But it was something a few years ago that my brother kind of really politely said to me. Obviously, knowing I'm a spoken word, I was saying he's more into page poetry because of the greater width of the parameter or, or the less constraints and the more that you can do and the things as as you were saying Ed, the things that you can do on page that you can't do yeah, yeah. on stage on stage there's a lot you can do but it's still kind of restricted and it's just, it's something I, I never thought about I knew uh, for me it was always I like doing it on stage because I perform it how it's meant to be rather than someone else having their own interpretation or reading it in a certain way. I put it across how it's meant to be heard. So how exciting has that been kind of finding your voice on page as opposed to, because I I think it it can become a crutch if you're a good performer, which you are obviously, if you're a good performer, it can become a crutch because you're like, you can make a decent poem sound amazing by your performance of it. Whereas on paper, You've not got any any backup there. It is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Like you can, you definitely like you can get away with, you can get away with a kind of sloppy line. You can get away with like kind of cliched rhymes. You can you can do a lot just for repeating something that suddenly makes it sound more powerful than it did yeah. the first time. You know all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And when I was working on stuff to be put for this collection, this book. Sat down with the editor, you know, I delivered the draft, delivered the draft, and like it came back and he'd underlined all these things. And like, I'd never thought about the content. I know it's a funny thing to hear a poet say, but when you're writing really instinctively and you write it and you perform it, suddenly that's the poem because you said it out loud and it worked. That's the poem now. But when you write it down for the page, you're looking at it and it's like, why is that word there? Like, that's a really, that's like a really baggy kind of analogy. Don't need that. Like, really, is that where you want to finish this? It should finish six lines earlier. Like, all this, like, it's really rigorous, like, headspace where suddenly I realised that I could just be, like, clearer, 
more cohesive, it could be better, it could be... Yeah. And, like, I'm still such a novice with it. And it, But for me, it's exciting, exactly as you're saying, like, um, about mixed martial arts. And yeah. all, there's so far, there's always so far to go. And spoken word as a scene is it's pretty small and, like, you can kind of get away with feeling like you're smashing it, you know. Yeah. But actually, yeah. there's so much, so much more that I want to do with my writing. And that's it. When you've got your fan base, you can't go back to that day when you didn't have a fan base. So yeah, yeah. when you've got your fan base, there's a lot that they will allow you to get away with because of their love of your work in, in general. And I think that's a, a yeah, dangerous Yeah, but then, and thing. then you become like a caricature of yourself almost. Yeah, you're like, yeah. then you're doing Kate Tempest rather than like yeah. turning up and you've got this new thing and you want to kind of try something out. Yeah. But it's the same with, like, writing for theatre. I had no idea how to do it. I'm still learning. Same with, like, the novel. Same with, yeah. like, music. It's, like, every everything I'm trying to write now, I want it to be better than it was yesterday, you know? Yeah. I want the next yeah. thing to be better. And, like, it feels good, that. It feels let's, good. So let's, let's talk a bit about the th- theatre world. We are going to come back round to the music at some point. Because cool. that's obviously the, been one of the biggest things in, that's been yeah, going yeah. on. But the theatre thing, and before we get to that, because I feel there'll be a similar um, reaction and then conquering um, kind of narrative. One of my favourite moments with you was we were invited to go and do some poetry for, I think it was a BBC thing, Mm. um, and it was above a pub in Camden, (laughs) and there was Griff Rees-Jones was hosting it, and you and me were there and having a few drinks, and you'd already had a few on the way, I think. I think you'd had a, <laughs> think you'd had a few on the train or on the bus. Um, and kind of, a, a, we're having a drink, and Griff Reese was being, in my opinion, he felt like he completely disregarded us in particular because yeah, yeah. we were more a common sounding. And he had his mate there who was a banker, um, and he was going to get up and do a poem because he started writing because he's finding that that the banking is so restrictive to him and he he's, he started writing poetry because he loves poetry and all this and it was it was one of my my favorite moments because as I said I felt that we'd kind of been a bit all right we've got some people to represent the spoken word scene <laughs> and that was about it and Griff Reese got up and spoke on a particular poet I can't think was it, it Blake or something I I, I, I'm, I'm not sure who it was and he, he performed a piece and it was nice enough and then this this banker got up and did a poem about love that he, I'm not sure if he'd written it then or at school as a 12-year-old, <laughs> but either way, he'd done this poem. And again, it was all right. I'm not really hating him. But then Kate Tempest, again, shuffled slash staggered onto stage with beer in hand. And I was sitting next to Griff Reese jones and that was the most beautiful thing when you you went into... I can't remember if it was Icarus or... It was, it was a piece that was... Or Prometheus, maybe. It was, it was a piece that was drenched in greek greek mythology or, or literature or something and s- seeing him s- sitting there and kind of twitching at every reference that you put through that half of them i'm not getting because i'm not a well read enough but him in all this and it was just a beautiful moment of that you shouldn't have judged until you know until you'd seen what was going on and that's what i kind of felt was one of the things i was excited to see how the your your foray into a theatre would go because I, I felt it, w- it would be a similar thing it's quite a closed or it can be, be quite a closed scene or, or atmosphere and yes so how was that to kind of get to, 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 to step in I think the first thing you were writing was more 
you performing it or was it straight into writing for other people the first thing was like the first thing was for other people it's for free actors it's a play called Wasted yeah and um the yeah I mean like 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 I keep saying with all the things when you it was intimidating I was really like kind of afraid of the form and afraid of the whole thing of an audience sitting in a theatre and pretending they're not there and it all did feel very elitist part of the commission is I got I got loads of tickets to go and see loads of plays so I went I went to see loads of plays and like Samuel Beckett, who's a guy that I love, you know, he's a writer yeah. that I love. I went to see his play, managed to get a ticket, and it was, it was a matinee. I'd been out the night before, Sound of Rumble had a gig. Like, yeah. it was like, obviously, like you say, I, was, I used to drink a shitload. I don't drink that much anymore, <laughs> but like, I was whatever, I was in a bit of a state. And um, I'd like woken up in the morning and it was late. I was like, shit, I've got to go see this play. And I'd gone then, I, was, I hadn't had a show, I was late. I ran out of the house, I had like, oh, like had vomited and it was on my shoes like horrible it was a, it was a messy time right messy time anyway run into the theatre late horrible sit down like fucking like, looking like a state you know and then um, was ju- I just got there in time I was turning my phone off and this woman who was like you know posh woman old turned around as I was turning my phone off in the theatre and hit me hit me on my leg he like, literally hit me like wow. I was, and it's not you know it's not you're not allowed to do that to a person like she mm. fucking turned around and hit me and I was just sat there like okay this is not my world this yeah. is not and I couldn't I felt like so infuriated but like I didn't know what to do because I was just this like scruffy like you know trashy little like I felt like a, yeah. but then when the play started it was like my relationship with that play it was Endgame I was watching which is yeah. a fucking deep play and it's I think really funny but really dark and I think it's all about his relationship with writing I think it, I took that from it anyway yeah. and I'm there engaging with it and there all these nice people are kind of politely laughing at the bits where everyone else is laughing but I'm like being moved by lines that I don't yeah. think they're even registering I yeah. felt like that play was for me yeah, yeah I come out wicked. and like halfway through I think I sneezed or something I coughed and she turned around again she hit me again like this woman was a bitch Damn. Like, and but then by the end of it I was like okay so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a Baptism by fire or whatever is what they call it because I was like, okay, so I'm, in one sense, I'm getting so much out of literature and this Mm -hmm. kind of high art stuff. In another sense, I'm being reminded physically that I'm not, I don't belong here. I'm not allowed here. But the way I enjoy it means like, I don't care what I have to part with to be in this room. I want to be in this room. So like I went into theatre with like, with that mentality of like, I want, I want people to get a kick out of hearing certain things spoken on stage and theatre as a discipline is very political it's like it's the it's the only space really there's this thing called forum theatre which I went on to write which is like directly involves the audience it asks them to kind of come into the room watch the play get up on stage change the course of action it's oh, like wow. um, I worked with a homeless theatre company for this play that toured hostels and prisons and things like that where yeah. you're asking people to really engage with their own lives and where things went wrong and it's the only form that that cares about its audience yeah. like that much, you know, yeah. theatre. It can change, it can change lives. But at the same time, majority of it is like really stuffy, really elitist, um, you know, kind of boring. And like when a play's shit, it's just like, just it's so shit. But when it's great, when it's amazing, when it cares about you being there, it's the most electrifying thing in the world. Yeah. So I went on this journey with theatre. I've written like three plays now for other actors, for other people's voices. And then yeah. one that I perform myself. And, um, the whole time it's been this kind of struggle between knowing that this should be a really open, exciting form and knowing that also the way people come and watch it is often like, leave me alone, I just want to be in the audience and I want you just to be the kind of, what do they call it? The third wall or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I went to see 
lots of plays, like I say, and, and I saw this one called Jerusalem by a guy called Jez Butterworth. Mm-hmm. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I was in tears. Mm. It was like, it was I so powerful. I was seeing that on in the West End for, for years and, and, and never catching it. It I was always, so good. Yeah. It was so fucking good, like life-changing, you know? And like life-changing in a way that an album or a film or a novel, you know, they, they definitely are life-changing, but in a really different way because it was happening right then and it's not going to happen yeah. again. It's like, you, I can't yeah. go back to it. I just have yeah. that memory of that feeling in that room. We, right? I, I went and asked Stuart Lee on the podcast. We were talking about the the the... the that part of live stuff and he was saying how at Edinburgh and I had it at Edinburgh there was a particular show I went and saw two or three times and he was saying it was that thing and there's a a thing called Slava Snow Show which I've gone and seen I've I go and see it regularly because it's that thing of (laughs) that's I'm not going to be able to experience that at some point at some point I can't experience that again because it's going to be over and that's so weird in the world today in the world today where everything is recorded in some yeah, way yeah. so it's just there it's on your shelf or on your on your laptop and you've not even paid for it but it's there to just access yeah, yeah. and that's just a huge a, a buzz when there's something that's th- that amazing but only only exists there and can only and will only ever yeah. that's the only place you can experience that but like also the thing about theater and doing all that stuff as well when i got offered the commission and like when i started thinking about um, trying to write like that, like you were saying about the the, the scripts that you're working on, yeah. it's like the the jump you've got to make in your head from being somebody who like responds to things they see or things they feel and they write a poem and it's to then constructing a world, a reality, yeah. creating characters, having the characters talk to each other and through that conversation create a feeling that you're yeah. trying to express. It's like a whole different discipline. You have to really push yourself to to be able to think like that. And then yeah, when I got completely. to the end of having written a play suddenly I'd opened up this whole part of my brain where before I'd written it, every, every idea I had was a rhyme. That was the only, that was the only tool I had. So that oh, was yeah. every idea was a rhyme. After I wrote the play, things were, I was having an idea and it was like, oh, is that a character? Is that a poem? Is that a rhyme? Is it a song? Is it like, is it a scene? And then as I kept writing different things and like, I feel like I've just expanded my capability as a writer, which I never would have done. I never would have... Yeah if I hadn't been given that chance because someone who was a theatre director saw my work and said, you might be able to do this and supported me completely through the process. So I think it's all, I think it's important to say that actually because when people are making work and making whatever work they're doing, if they don't have that kind of push or that support from somebody else, it can be quite rare to believe that you might be able to then push through the initial blocks. But like, I recommend it highly to anybody who's even got an inkling about doing something like writing a play yeah. or doing something a bit different to what they normally do. Because when you get through the other side of it, you're like, I could do anything, mate. I could do uh, anything. So how did you get that support? And how did that... Yeah, where was that? This, where did that this come guy from? That, um, this guy that I... Because this kind of theatre and spoken word, it's all kind of a bit yeah, meshed yeah, in, yeah, isn't of it? Course. Um, there was this night called Nabokov Arts Club. Yeah. When they do... There was like music, yeah, poetry yeah, and da da and I'd been down there to do like spoken word stuff. And then the guy that was running it got a job at this theatre company called Payne's Plough, who were like new writing theatre company. They specialise in new writers. He got the job and he just phoned me up and was like, right, okay, I think you can write a play. And um, part of, the, so he, he he commissioned me, so he gave me some money so I could turn down other work and I could just focus on it. And then he would just help, he just helped me. He was like, okay, what? He kind of explained to me what a play does, what it needs to do, what a narrative needs to do. 
And then I went away and wrote the play and I come back and he kind of read through the draft and was like, okay, this isn't working because, and this is working yeah, because. That's yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's a great resource to have. And as you, as, you, as you kind of said, I think it's one of the most amazing things when you're sh- shown these different areas and disciplines because, as you said, it can make you realise what that idea that you've never been able to quite nail because all you knew was was a rap for example yeah. it's like this this doesn't work this doesn't work and realizing it turns out it isn't it isn't a rap it's 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 a different thing it's still a good idea it's still a valid thing that you can put across but it isn't the, the, the form in which you're you're most familiar or most comfortable so i was still i was like telling stories that. i was like writing story rhymes do you know what i mean i was like yeah. balancing yeah, yeah, all that yeah, yeah, I'd write, I was writing all that stuff but it's just a different way of um like if if it's just a different way of setting your ideas out, a different way of asking your brain to kind of think about things. Yeah. And then that album that we just made, Everybody Down, that, that I think that's a direct response to everything I learned through doing theatre and yeah. thinking about characters. And if I hadn't oh, done all that work, yeah, I didn't a... even really want to do spoken word or theatre. I wanted to be a rapper. Like, and, yeah. But I'm so glad that that didn't work out, that I didn't come out of a rap album when I was 18 and by now be regretting, you know, be Brian Harvey. Yeah. Like, have you yeah, seen yeah, the video? Yeah, 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 smashing it. This is what I think of you. Yeah. I love him, though. I love him. That wasn't a diss in any way. I think he's brilliant. I love We've him. Got, we, we put this on, um, on an app called Acast and we can put links into link things to that video. while you're watching so if you're on the Acast one you'll be able to look now at the YouTube video have you seen both of them though? what the one when he's doing U- German Whip? No, no no there's one where he smashes his golden records yeah. or whatever they are so this is what I think of your fucking music industry and then he did a, f- a follow up one a, a tidying up because he didn't want to leave and he said I'm tidying up because I'm a conscientious member of the, the public, I can, you can still be angry and be tired. And it's just beautiful <laughs> after that. There's a second one going. I'm just going to pick this up and love and that clean guy, up. man. But yeah, no. It's, so let's let's get on to rap, and we, we've touched on everybody down. But I think we need to build there first because a sound of rum. I think you built a big, a, a huge fan base with. I think they got across, and it was the fear. I remember when you told me. I've got a band now. Mm. It was like, all right, cool. Because <laughs> in, in, in the spoken word scene, I don't, I don't know if it's the same now, but it was certainly a time where you get to a certain level and then your next option is adding a band. And that yeah. seemed just to be the, the default and a band didn't always add anything to it. It didn't always... It's, there was a lot of people... I'm not going to name any names, but, but, but there was a lot of people that I'd, I'd loved particular poems of theirs as spoken word pieces... And when I saw it in a live band set, it all just blended them into one. It made their it made the uniqueness of their poems just sound the same. Yeah. Um, so I was wary, but then I heard Sound of Rum, um, and it was amazing. I thought it worked. I thought everyone, Archie, and you know, it, 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 it all worked together, and it built and added to it. So how was that? Like, how did that come about, and how was it f- for you? Well, like I all. Since I was young, since I started rapping, I worked with this producer, Quake, mm. Quake Bass, who I'm working yep. with again now, brilliant. But when we were, we, we were like, as it often happens with childhood friends, we, we had a falling out and uh, we stopped working together. And uh, suddenly I was like this, you know, my go-to guy, my, my music. Yeah. Suddenly we weren't, it wasn't happening with him. Amazing, so yeah. it was like, I was doing poetry, doing all that stuff. And I was like working with different kind of producers, feeling that out. And I was like, I want, I was... I was like, okay, I'm gonna put a different band. I'm gonna put a new band together. I'd had bands before. I had this like ridiculous like 15 piece like shit <laughs> band that we used to just play hippie festivals. It was yeah. like it was a 
I mean, it was terrible, but it was good fun, but it was terrible. Yeah. And then I was putting this new thing together and Archie was going out of a friend of mine and she was like, you know, my boyfriend plays bass, you should definitely get him involved. And I was like, yeah, Archie, I know Archie. And then this guy, Ferry, who's the drummer, we would, yeah. we'd ended up on stage together at a squat party just playing and he was like drumming away and I was like, oh, he's cool, this guy's cool. Yeah. He'd just moved down f- from Southport to London to like play more drums. And um, so I was like, okay, let's... Let's see what happens. Let's put a new band together. I invited like five other people. My friend who plays Vibes, like it was, was going to be this like, and the only people that turned it's up just, were me. Just such a hippie. Do you know what I mean? Like I literally was going to have a Vibes play on live, and then um, the only people that turned up to rehearsal were me, Ferry, and Archie. And Archie was like, "Well, I've got this loop pedal. I could play guitar and like play bass at the same time." And it was like it was just. It just worked. We were just there. Yeah. We had two rehearsals booked in, and then we had I had a gig at the Tape Tape Modern. And then another gig at a pub for like um, ventriloquists yeah, uh, yeah, night. Yeah. Tung Fu. Tung Fu. And then and there was another gig, like another poetry and rich mix. Like, and I had yep, these three yep. gigs and I told them, well, I'm going to bring a band. So we did this like one rehearsal or two rehearsals. Then the following weekend we did, no, that weekend, that was on a Wednesday or something. Then that weekend we did three gigs. And that was it. We were, we were like, this is brilliant. You know, this is, it felt like yeah. really natural and easy. It's wicked because it, it, the three of you had the feel of, and it, again, it's, it's evidently what happened, had the feel of the people who would just be up for it. Yeah, just, we they just would just, just get it. together at a squat party or whatever and yeah. just. We weren't do it like a little squat party. Like, we weren't like, Ferry's very clean. <laughs> he he's like, that's just where, when I say squat, but that was just where we. But he's. he's he's a drummer that I feel would happily do a gig if he got there and the kit was like yeah, yeah. a tom and a bass drum and that was it and half a snare do you know what I mean he's not someone who's like well <laughs> you know he can rock you know an yeah. elite pristine kit but it feels like he can rock a triangle it, if he must you give him stuff to hit and he'll, he'll, he'll yeah, make man. it work and he'll, he'll rock it and that's and, and yeah it was a good feeling but we we played together for like a, a couple of years we put an album out on, on Sunday Best obviously yeah, as you know yeah. and then um it's tough to to suddenly be thrown into touring life. Obviously, you came on tour and yeah. supported us, and I remember at that point, the for some reason it stands out the Oxford gig. It, f- it felt like you guys were close to breaking. It's, I think there'd been a the, the van had broken down or something. There'd been some kind of it felt yeah. that it's that thing of going. Oh, I'd be and it's what people don't realise. If it, it felt like it'd gone from oh, I'd be cool to be in a band, and then it was like right, are you on this tour with us? That's twenty five dates. Mm. There's there's one day off every week at the most. You've got to get here. You've got to get there. You're not earning much because mm. you know I need to, to put all the money into beer products. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of you've got to be there every night and you've got to deliver every night as yeah. well. That's another thing that, that people don't think about is when you're tired and knackered. There's a crowd sat there. You got to go out and yeah, and, and it's got to be and, new. You got to make and, it new. And, and deliver to that crowd and do it properly. I think like we we were definitely we were really passionate. We really enjoyed doing it and we worked really hard. But um, there was just there was there's something to be said for when you're when you're kind of in a band and you all also want to do your own thing. So I was yeah. at, it was at the time I got the commission to write the play and I'm like in the back we didn't have a van, we had this little car mm. and we had like I'd be in the back of the car with like a drum kit in my face and like we'd have a six hour drive to Sunderland to play yeah. to four people, which is brilliant. We're up for it. But at the same time I've got, you know, I'm trying to think about writing a play which is really exciting but I don't really know how to do it and I'm getting stressed out and the lads are kind of just like kicking a coke can around in a car park like yeah. you know yeah, i'm yeah, just yeah, in yeah. i'm literally in a service station trying to write the final draft of this thing and like yeah, it was crazy. just a lot and um so I'd, we we kind of put it to bed because i just had 
what, what Sound of Rum needed was like another four years of complete like touring, 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 and it's a lot of dedication. And I think the I think as much as I. I love Sound of Rum. I think it was the right choice in the end. At the time, I didn't. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, man, man, that sucks because it seemed like it was starting to build its its name. But I think it's it's the right thing purely because, and this isn't an insult to, to Ferry or Archie, Kate Tempest was building a name in numerous areas. So it's hard to then be Sound of Rum, and you can't be Sound of Rum featuring yeah, Kate yeah, Tempest. Yeah, yeah. But... Kate Tempest was a name that was coming up in the spoken word scene and people people were knowing or like I had a, a lot of people on that tour who were had heard of you at, at stuff we'd done and things like that but didn't know that Sound of Rum was Kate like, yeah. like were d- delighted when they, they got there and found out they're like oh I, I know this I know yeah. you know um, and I think on in a situation that you were in where you're doing <clears throat> so many different things in so many different areas the one consistent kind of has to be who you are and what your name is yeah. rather and but, that, but it sounds a bit selfish to kind of say it's got to be the Kate Tempest show but it's, it's kind of a sense of you're weird, building like, hype in so many years and you're not able to say right as you said f- f- four years the focus is Sound of Rum it's yeah. not the case you couldn't do that because of all the other things so if you can't put the focus strictly on the music at least make the music have the same name and identifier as the th- theatre or the the writing or things like that you know but I think definitely like Sound of Rum was not it was not like it was it was was a trio and it was a Sound of Rum was a different project to what I wanted to do with like my own solo music yeah completely and I I think that's why it worked I said I was nervous of adding a band it was seeing that it was like right no this is stuff that couldn't have happened without all three of you it's not just here's my poems play something behind it it's like no this is you know it's all all building off each other and bouncing around and making this amazing thing yeah. yeah it was a good time it was really cool but I'm I'm kind of I'm really happy that because since since we kind of put the band to bed for a bit we're not like we're not on bad terms like Archie's Archie's like we came on tour of us actually like last last week but um, we st- but it's just like in order to make the music that I ended up making and finish and do Brand New Ancients which was the next thing I did after Sound yep. of Rum it was like I couldn't there was just I, when you're when you're in collaborative relationships, if there's if there's any sense that you're kind of holding yourself back in order to kind of contribute mm-hmm. to somebody else's creativity or to kind of keep things level, but you really want to, you can feel that you want to be doing something that's a bit more like you know different or there was things that I wanted to say and wanted to do that I just couldn't have done there. Yeah, and the next yeah. thing that happened was Brand New Ancients, which was arguably like the thing that set this whole thing in motion yeah. for like things to start becoming more successful and people to start yeah. actually taking what I was doing more seriously yeah. because so it was it like a fucking s- serious uh, thing uh, like. so uh, let's talk about Brand New Ancients uh, what was the pro- or, or what was a Brand New Ancients for people who don't oh my god it's mental. it was like a 75 minute long poem <coughs> that yeah. I told over a live score um, it's better than I just made it sound it's yeah. like, it's uh, like uh, was that a back with Giles right was that yeah so so G Quake bass playing drums and um, we had cello, violin, had Raven Bush on violin, who's amazing. Uh, cello, violin, tuba. So all the bass was like handled by this girl, Jo, who's incredible. And she's like this amazing kind of really normal girl from like, you know, East London. She's like tiny, blonde. She picks up the tuba. She literally disappears behind it. Yeah. And it's like, just, she's got a couple of pedals going and um, just this huge, like majestic, dark bass frequencies amazing. coming out of this, into, like just the visual aspect of it because it was we did it in theatres as well 
it was like it was a theatre show. Yeah. And um, the whole point was, oh man, it was an amazing experience. This lady kind of, this lady Nell Catchpole, who's a classical composer really, and worked a lot with Brian Eno for, with like, mm-hmm. doing violin parts. Her and the other musicians, we kind of collaborated on this score, and each character had a theme. Each character that I would t- talk about had a theme in the music. It was like a film in that sense, but it was there was no like um, projections or anything like that. It was just me telling a story and then the music telling the story at the same time. Yeah, wicked. It was it was intense though. It was like there was a lot to go onto stage and know that seventy five minutes later I'm gonna have just got to the end of this thing and like. Yeah. It's different, man, because we obviously we've both been doing gigs and long gigs for ages, but that's a different thing because that's one it's a different thing. It's one piece. There's not that break of oh, I can take some applause now, yeah, or I can you, take yeah, a moment yeah. or chat and interact and, and just, get a, just a shake off any nerves. It's like right, no, it starts and then a, a film later. Yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. You're done, you know. And it was like it was. It's, I felt the res- I felt the obligation, the responsibility of the audience more than I ever have being on stage yeah. doing musical poetry. Like, yeah. like you say, you can stop and chat, and like if something's not going well, you can just be like, right, stop that, do something else. Yeah. And the audience come with you because they can see it's it's what's happening. Yeah, but with Brand New Ancients, it was like it's just this crazy. Like I, I never felt so like under. The, like the task at hand do you know yeah, what I mean it was like yeah. we did it in New York and like I was on stage and kind of got 10 minutes through it and just felt like I was going to have a panic attack or something I felt like I was going to pass out because oh, it was wow. just this huge like room couldn't it was like black black rooms as well and theatres yeah, and this yeah, bank steep bank of people and obviously it's in New York so it was like high stakes and it was like and I just like it proper took it out of me because I'm not an actor you know I've not, not yeah. been trained how to deal with the strain I think it puts on you to like carry a, carry a story. Yeah. There's like it gets it's quite violent the story and there's this like horrible moment, and I had to like carry that violence into the room and then like bring everybody else into it and then bring yeah. everybody else out of it. Get to the end of it, I just fucked like. Yeah, yeah, it's exhausting, man. But it was amazing. It was like such a trip and like obviously it won that prize and. Yeah. But like, I mean, it was amazing, and we got—I got to travel around and do it. But I'm kind of glad. I'm, I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore. I was going to say it doesn't feel as if you're you're no. g- gagging t- t- to write brand new ancients too. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I might brand, write it. Brand, but I might get someone else to do brand it. Brand newer ancients. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that did. I said it, it as as exhausting and killer as that must have been. It, it did open some doors and did did kind of lead to the album. You then went to write with with Dan Carey, and, yeah, yeah. and that's what's kind of sent everything into overdrive. So, how was that? Or what was the process? I remember you playing when me, you, and Polar Bear uh, yeah, did a yeah. spoken word tour. I remember you playing some some stuff in the van, and yeah. the beauty of it being as much as the excitement of hearing the music was the excitement of seeing how excited you were oh to be God. like, look at this, look at this guy, this is exactly what I've been wanting to do. So yeah, man. so how was that? How was? And it was a long process as well. Yeah. It was a fair while that we did that tour in like 2011 or 2012 or something and it came out in 2014, right? Yeah, it so, took a while. It took a while to get a deal. It took yeah. a while to get the right deal. A, and like, a great label as, as yeah, well who are on fire at the moment. Yeah. Big Dada just... Yeah, with obviously a label mates, a young fathers, yeah. and, and many others that are just amazing. So, the, like, what was interesting about that is like Dan Carey, 
I've known him for ages. Robbie robbed the bank, took yeah. him down to a sound of rum show, and he stood in the audience. And like, yeah. I was like, who is that guy? Like, it's just that guy, just like really intense. And then he, he kind of produced the he, sound yeah, of rum he, record, he, didn't he? He did a couple of songs with us. A Robbie being excited to put you all in the room together. And I remember yeah. again you coming out of the room and being like, what, like all three of you being like, this guy, this fuck, guy, wow. man, this guy. He's like, he's amazing. He's he's like. I mean, I don't want to sound too kind of lovely about it, but he is something special. When you go into his studio and it's just like, it's just, it just feels incredible. And especially for people like us who'd like, a, a studio meant somebody's bedroom with a mattress stuck yeah. up to the wall yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Suddenly it's like, this guy's got all this gear and it's like instruments from all around the world and it's just him like rocking around. He can pick up anything and make it sound like unbelievable. Yeah. Murphy having a little cry to himself. But like he, like for ages I couldn't get... I couldn't get in the studio with him because he was too busy and like we had this idea we wanted to make a record together but his manager didn't know who I was really didn't really think it was worth his time so he would call me up because like he lives in he lives in Streatham yeah. so it's down the road and um, he'd call me up and be like alright Kate I've got three hours you know and I'd, I'd like, run over to the studio and we'd like show like <laughs> yeah. we'd just be like ah, and the whole energy was this mad like desperate to work couldn't ever quite find the time and eventually, after doing that for like a year yeah. of like little two hours here, maybe a Saturday afternoon, and I was thinking about this story, it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then eventually, we got two weeks in, it was like November, just before we went on tour. So, whenever yeah. that was, and we just fucking smashed it, it just came out, just the whole album just fell out, just like yeah. we just worked like crazy 10 hour days, no lunch, just doing it. Like, got to the other side of that, we were like, what have we fucking made? Like, what is this? Like, didn't yeah. know who to play it to. Played it to a few people, they loved it, they were like, no way am I signing it. Yeah. Like, you know, like... That's a scary feeling though, right? When you've you've made something that's that feels unique in a way that you're, 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 you're really sure it's good, but you can't be 100% certain because yeah. it's so... I remember with... When, I worked with uh, Steve Mason on the struggle on the mm. solo record where I went and we did that in like in, in one night. I drove 12 hours up to his little place. In really Scotland. North in Scotland. Yeah. And we, I got there and we we're like, oh, let's just jump in the studio for like, like I think we had fish and chips or something. I got there at like nine o'clock. We had fish and chips. So let's just a, a, a jump in the, in the studio and have a play about now. And we kind of thought we'll build the ideas and then finish it tomorrow. And we built basically the whole track, then came back to it and recorded it the next day properly. And then I drove home a, a, literally that same oh day. Oh, my gosh. And I got a text off him. And we were a buzzing at the time. And yeah. I got a text off him about halfway home, just going, is it any good or not? Because, <laughs> again, because it's yeah, a weird yeah. song about Johnny Depp being a serial killer and it's got weird chanting bits in and it's a weird, yeah, kind of bluesy kind of... Yeah, it's, it's odd. And it was like... No, no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's good, but it isn't until you get it out there and get it on ears that go, no, yeah, no, it's good. Because, yeah, I don't know. Unless you've got Kanye confidence, it's kind of it's, it's that weirdness of of is it is it as good as it sounds? So, oh, man. it is weird, don't it? Like with anything, like you you get lost in that moment of like creativity and everything, and you're feeling like it's the best thing in the world, and no, then I'm even sure like ten minutes later, you're like, oh my god, like what is this? And how it's so weird the way it can just like anything can just switch it on or off. You can go from yeah. loving something to hating it yeah. to like then being like, no, it's great, and then like, no, I'm never gonna write again, and like yeah. it's, it's mental. But thing, then right? it, it shows you that like, if, well, this is what I was thinking the other day as well. Like when you've like done your time of a piece of work and you've like 
you've been through that with it yeah. and then you've decided no I've put everything into that I love this when it comes yeah. out it doesn't matter what people say about it yeah. but when you haven't quite gone through that process with a piece of work and it comes out and you you just don't quite know if you You're gave it your all then you do care about the praise and you care about when people are damning it like you care yeah, like with completely. with Wasted my first play I felt a bit like that and I really cared what people thought with the Sound of Run record I felt a bit like that and yeah. I really you know I really cared I, like, I listened to when people liked it and I really listened when people hated it but with this album and with Brand New Ancients and with Hold Your Own, the poetry yeah. collection, because I've been through so much with making it that it just doesn't, I don't, it just yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now. What it's people... beautiful. I'm, 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 I have that. I'm, I'm, I'm the worst a, a label manager in the world. With, <laughs> yeah. with the Jack and Brown album and the War and Peace albums in particular, it was so exciting and I was kind of involved from the start the concept to the everything artwork everything like that and we were so excited about it so when it came out and the videos were received well and all Mm. this and you know the Giacomo Brown album no one had heard of him and it got a 7 out of 10 in uncut and things like that it was all good but the week after that and now I still to this day have no idea what the record sales are, what any of the numbers are. I just know it, I just know <laughs> it was successful because it achieved what we wanted it to be. It was that kind of... <laughs> and thankfully all of those artists were kind of on the same yeah, yeah. point. Like everyone gets paid. I've got, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. if it's in line. But I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how many any of them records are sold because the point was uh, we wanted to create this amazing thing and yeah. people to realise it's amazing. And when we put it out and even 10 people go, yeah, that it's is amazing. amazing. It was like, yeah. we did it. We did it. We're happy with it. They get it. Yeah. After that, it was like, I have no idea the the other side of it that I'm meant to know of. That we've must done be these great, sales, though. we've done this, we've had this peak and all for that. For them, like, for them to be, like, at a home like that. Depends on the artist, man. There's well, a lot of artists like, who are going to want me to be, be able to yeah, quote right, stats yeah. at them, right? Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> no, fair I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing by any means, yeah. But, it's yeah, it's exactly that. It's, if you've put all that into it, then it's more that that, that having it in your hand is as important as anything else. Yeah, Knowing yeah, you've yeah. made this that you're proud of and it's there and you love the art, you love the, oh, the record, you love everything that's, that's gone into it. When we got the test pressing, like when, the, when we got the test pressing on vinyl of the record, like, it yeah. was just like, it's one of the most surreal and like important moments yeah. like, of my life, of my, of my, literally of my life. I was just like, fuck, you know, it's real. And I had that, I had a moment like that the other day as well. I was like walking, it was like raining, I just got back. I come back from Whitstable to go back to London. I sat in for Giles Peterson the other day, he's on holiday. I've yeah, done like a radio show, yeah, just playing, yeah. playing loads of songs that I like. So and I was coming back from that, it was late, and I was going to meet my mate, and I was listening to my iPod, it was on shuffle, and a sound of rum song, Icarus, come on. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, like. And then I just connected with this feeling that this has been going on for like over 10 years. I've been yeah. writing my rhymes, trying to make music, yeah, trying to, and yeah, suddenly, yeah. like, it just landed with me that it's real now, this is happening. Like, you know, we're working on the new record and it's like feeling incredible. And I, like, I honestly think that that's when it happens. Almost that whole cliche of, of when you stop looking for love is when you'll find it. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> it's that when, you, that, that when you'd, you'd finish this record and you didn't care or what people think of it now because you're so happy with it. Yeah. And then you get the Mercury nod. So yeah. how was that coming? You, you know, that was... I guarantee with Sound of Rome, you would have been dying to get that moment or things like that. But yeah, it's yeah. that kind of thing. When you've done the one that you're truly happy with, it's... That must be even even better then, right? That, that, that you weren't you weren't looking for it, you didn't care particularly, and then that comes through and it's like... Yeah. Damn, they get it. Suddenly it was like the doors had opened, like this crazy like fortress, which was the music industry, which I've been yeah. like, you know, 
like smashing on the door of this thing for like yeah. years like being like oh can we get a gig can we get a better gig can we have like a bit of radio play excuse me please can we like yeah. suddenly it was like that happened oh my god it was I couldn't it was just like so surreal and so like humbling and so exciting like genuinely exciting that yeah. night like we, they asked us to come before they'd um, announced who the uh, nominees were they like they they asked us to come and play a gig at the announce they play a song yeah, at the yeah, announcement yeah, yeah. ceremony and they were like this doesn't mean you've got it you know and so we, I went there to go and play a song at the announcing ceremony sure that we weren't going to get it yeah like before that I hadn't even really considered it was an option and then like we were just sound checking Nick Mulvey walked into the room he was also playing and he was like whoa and I was like why are you so happy man we might not have it and he was like no 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 like if you're playing here it may-. anyway and then they they told <laughs> us. <laughs> And I was just like bouncing off the walls, you know, just looking at Dan like fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. And then on the actual night, you know, I got got a suit, maybe, you know, got, yeah, got my hair yeah, done, everything. We were there at the party, and like the whole thing was just crazy. And then afterwards, we had this party, and it was like us, young fathers, Nick Mulvey, Anna Calvey, um, a couple of the polar bear guys, um, a couple of the jungle guys, and we were all just in this like in this big room just dancing to like you know shaggy and like you know yeah, all the, like yeah, the, the yeah. cream of the uk <laughs> yeah. music industry just freaking out to like kind of cheesy 90s yeah. r&b but we had the big. best party ever and i was looking around the room being like this is what it feels like to to be in this world suddenly people are looking at me like like i like at, like i i'm a, i'm allowed to be here yeah Do you I know mean, what I mean? It, it, it meant a lot to me seeing that because i remember when we saw a young father's for the first time supporting around the jewels and we hadn't gone together <laughs> and literally we'd, I'd gone I'd heard some of this stuff I was like oh we'll check this support act out blew my mind yeah. but it was quite London everyone was a little bit a bit London yeah, yeah. and I kind of I was like I was with my mate um, I can't think of who I was with I was, no I was with my mate Mark and I was like I need to go outside and he was like I want to have a fag and literally I was walking out all buzzing and, and seeing all these cool people and then I looked over and see you coming out like, <gasps> I was like quick and just just going crazy <laughs> yeah, over how they were the performance yeah. the songs just I'd never seen a live act that I didn't know anything of really blow me away so much so yeah. I was then so excited to see that they were in there as well and you're on the same label and do you know what I mean it felt right. like that rule I knew that was something that you, they were an act that you had a lot of a respect for so for them to very much be your peers be nominated be in there with you know oh man I like I love them I love them so much it's like embarrassing I properly think they're brilliant and when they like I was sitting there I was so nervous it's like they you, they give you this really posh dinner at the Mercury's and everything yeah. but you obviously you're too nervous you can't eat a fucking mouthful yeah. of it you're sitting there like and there's like, all these people everywhere and then I was just so nervous because like I hadn't there was all hype people were like oh you all before on the red carpet you have to do all this press and all oh, wow. obviously they're asking everybody but you know what are you yeah. going to do if you win and I wasn't letting myself think about it I was like it can't happen or if it, it might happen you know having all this stuff and then it was like really there was this weird kind of animosity that was um the press were kind of making up about Twigs like me and Twig right. it was like this weird thing like that I I think Twigs is incredible you know I watched yeah. her performance and was just like wow this woman like so forward thinking and yeah, anyway it got, awesome. it got down to the moment of just before and I was like, was like everything went really slow I couldn't breathe like Dan was sitting next to me and he's, he went a little thing called tension that's <laughs> just in the, like oh my god and they were like young fathers and my heart was just like oh like because if anybody can deal with the kind of pressure of yeah. you know winning that thing it's like they 
they won't let it touch them. They're not going to, yeah. No. Again, I think uh, to the extent that some people will be annoyed that they they won't be moved because <laughs> they just they just don't give I, a shit. I had them on, on the beat down when I had the radio show, and they were just the most kind of not not hard hard to interview because it was exciting and you know yeah, they yeah. they warmed and everything. But it was that it was also matter of fact. It was just well, this is just what we do. Yeah, they're professional, no, man. They've been doing it a the, long time. There as was well. no kind of illusion of yeah, man. We're rock stars. Are we this or we that? They're just well, yeah. We just. I'm just gonna pour some water so the people don't think that anyone's having a wave. I'm good. just turning the tap on. That'd be outrageous if mid interview someone started weeing. Um, it's like the arches with the sound effects. It is. But yeah, I'd, uh, and again, I'd, uh, when I was hearing the results come through, obviously I wanted you to win because oh, you're my homie. Thank but you it also, it, I was delighted when they did because I knew mm. that you would be almost as happy about them winning as you would have if you'd won yourself. I think if you'd won yourself, you might have been a bit shit yourself. Know, and yeah, and, I would have and, been and scared. Uncomfortable with it. So f- for me, that felt personal preference aside that felt that's the perfect situation the, here really yeah. for it was, in it my was, mind I don't think it could have gone better like yeah man it was just such a great thing and like from that from that experience and like I don't know just even just having I didn't really think it would it would make much of a difference to the way the music was going anyway because yeah. it was we were getting like nice gigs and it was yeah. like, but it just gives you a bit of um bit more gravity with like Europe this is maybe a bit boring for other for people to listen to no, but like no. little things like um when you're booking European tour or things like that it just gives you a bit of kudos that um I don't know it just it's made everything feel a bit more it draws people it's in like and adds that, that the, the plans coming together do you know what yeah. I mean everyone seems to be like oh right okay uh, and it is important it genuinely is because I think in in Europe and things like that um there's a lot of smaller areas that will look into something or learn about someone because they're coming and playing not yeah, yeah, you're, oh, yeah. you're come, oh, we've, we've, oh, we've been waiting you for ages to come to my town they will yeah, see someone's on at the local venue and go yeah. oh who is this and look them up and if you've got that mercury nod you've got all this kind of thing they'll 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 they, they it, it will make a difference and it'll sway the way they feel about it so how did you find it when you went out to europe like when so kind of way back in your like first first yeah, tour yeah, yeah, after yeah. the first album yeah. came out like did, when, when people like who don't speak English as a first language are like there and into it and it's singing along right. like how like how did you how did that I feel loved for it. you it, it blew me away because I felt in a, a lot of Europe they actually had a greater understanding of some of the songs and lyrics than in the UK and I yeah, realised yeah. that that was because yeah. they don't understand it as they'll sit down and read the lyrics or translations or whatever yeah. and actually read it and take it in whereas when you do understand it and this is going to sound really stupid now but we do do something that's talking fast over rhymes <laughs> yeah, in our yeah, accent yeah. so if you understand it you'll there'll be a, a lot that you'll miss but you won't really th- think about because you get the gist of the story yeah, you get the yeah, gist yeah. of the thing whereas if you don't understand any of it they'd sit down and read it and get you know Get, get it word for it. word, essentially, and yeah, that, that blew me away. I was ready for them to. I was, I was ready for the European gigs to be and are ready and happy of them to very much be the Danlis Act show, for it to be about the beats, right, yeah, for it to yeah, be yeah, about yeah. like we we always have still, even though there is that we did still in Europe always switch out our set to make sure we've got the more up tempo stuff, and it's more because again I've never been one for you need to appreciate 
my art. If you've paid us to come and play, we want you to have a good night. So it's kind of, if we're having a party, then we're having a party coming. Yeah, so yeah. it's that kind of, if I'm just there to to be making noises that sound like words over a beat, you know, essentially <laughs> to, to, to people who haven't got English as their, as, as their native tongue, then I'm fine with that. And yeah, so it was, it, was, it it, it was exciting and fascinating for me to suddenly have people coming up and going, oh, this song and this lyric and that. It was like, dude, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's exactly that. That's, that's, what was, that's what's been blowing me away about Europe as well. It's really, I hadn't really thought of it like that. Yeah, that's it's cool. weird, yeah, extra understanding. But you've got America on the cards as well, right? I know, man. It's crazy. How, how it's crazy. You about that? I can't, and, like... I mean, equally, because it's the first time you've been over there musically, right? Yeah. But equally, if you felt so pressured and put upon with the um which one was it a brand new ancients yeah, yeah. yeah with brand new ancients does it feel like a kind of i'm back a, a victory lap almost a, re- a return to yeah <laughs> this is what's up now this is well you like know. i think like because you've got your band as well you've yeah, got man. you've got your band who happen to be made up of some of your favorite people in the world yeah, so you've yeah, got this yeah. beautiful supporting cast to now return and go I feel I can enjoy it now. And again, not that from what I know, not that anything went bad on your. No, we we smashed it. It went went great and smashed it. But you can go back and actually enjoy it more this time. It feels like you you were there. You did the job that had to be done and killed it. But you get to go back now and go, right? I can actually take this in and go, wow, America's a fucking amazing place. Yeah, completely. Despite what the press. Tells you and the yeah. and the police give the impression <laughs> well, of and the, the let's not yeah, not get into real, that but there's some amazing stuff in that in that huge world of a country um, yeah man so yeah and especially like that for for what for what I'm doing it's where hip hop began you know like it's it's the birthplace of so many of my heroes and like culturally that the amount that I've received and like learned and taken yeah. on from America to to be going there it's like when like going to South by Southwest like you do, like I know that people say oh it's you know <clears throat> it's too big and da, 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 but just like it's been a dream for so long it's and bullshit it's wicked and now we're going we're it's going wicked. there if you go there it's it's too big if you're going there going right we're going to be discovered right yeah there's yeah, so yeah. many bands there's a good chance <laughs> you're not going to be discovered but equally you're going to get to play some cool gigs yeah. and there's going to be some fucking amazing gigs on around you. I remember yeah. the f- a first year we went and doing, a, a me and Dan, or, or, or one of the years we went, a me and Dan d- doing our shows, but then going to a Rhyme Sayers showcase and seeing POS oh and, and Doomtree and all these other, and, and Brother Ali, and then being part of the Strange a famous showcase where oh stood there. I remember, you know, it was Sage, Dole and Buck 65 all performing. I remember cu- I was a walking stage and weirdly on that one, Dan um, had got ill and wasn't there. So I was doing it on my own with just some some, some, some backing track. But I remember I walk into stage then and as I'm going up the side, just at the side, they're just, just chatting and waiting is, is idea and Buck oh 65. God. And it's just like, Oh my shit, they're just <laughs> chilling there and I've got to go out and do my thing now and then going to come off and yeah. yeah. So just all of that, I think it's absolutely amazing. Um, a long way from Essex, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a long way from Lewisham. And again, and literally that, you're doing all of this in a fucking desert, man. It's yeah. amazing. It's great to just be in all of that and see this Can't cr- wait. crazy Can't wait. cultural shift. Um, and my tip would be if John Kennedy is out there, mm. try and find him. Because he has shit planned out. He's a yeah. genius for it. I see. 
most hardworking man in radio and like, the most yeah, knowledgeable. Yeah. He'd be out there with a book with just planned who he's seeing and when and where he's seeing half of this act and then going across the road to see half of this act nice. and just he's a beast for it. So he's tour a good guide. one to, to to yeah to have as your tour guide. Brilliant. Um, so, so what's the plan in general? Obviously, it's crazy schedule that you're working now on on, on on finishing your novel, but then you're straight on the road for for six months. So what's kind of, is there a plan of the novel will come after the tour and then the next album will come and then, you know, so is the, it planned so out the, like the that or is it more is, just what kind of flows? The, it takes ages to turn a novel around because obviously there's there's so much kind of checking and proofing that needs to yeah. be done so once once it's delivered once the final draft is delivered it still won't be out till 2016 right yeah cool. so put so i deliver the draft and then go on tour um doing some recording in america as well with some Amazing. producer out there which is going to be like mental and that, that's going to be probably for that for the album after the album that we're working on now so that's album three we're already um. thinking about and um so that's just mind-blowing and then so then, yeah, it's UK, America, Europe, back to America. Then it's festivals. Then we get through to the whole, the other bit of that. I'll be proofing the novel in the van as we go around yeah. and stuff. Then the novel come out 2016, and then the album will come out hope, maybe at the end of this year or the beginning of next. And then, mm-hmm. and just, just keep. Hopefully, as long as I've got the energy and the ideas, everything else is falling into place. Where you you start to, I'm starting to notice this this kind of network of support. You know, this team yeah, that you've got the. The platforms there now. They're gonna just can... help me just keep putting stuff out, and as long as I'm, as long as I don't like freak out or end up making bullshit music or bullshit poetry, then hopefully this can just carry on, and that we can just get better, and it yeah. can be more exciting, and the, you know, the gigs can get bigger and more exciting, and we can finesse what we're trying to do. The other thing that's interesting, I remember talking to you about this, is like having had experience doing poetry and doing theatre, the way you think about a live show. Yeah. Is um is with a bit of a different headspace to someone yeah. who might have just played music gigs. So yeah, like, completely. there's things that I want to do for the audience because I know how it feels to be stood in a gig watching a band you love, and just feeling like it kind of leaves you cold a little bit. Yeah. Like something isn't quite connecting. Yeah, completely. So there's lots of ideas I'm having about how to kind of bring all the things that I've learned from like we're talking about telling poems anywhere to anyone, yeah. and lots of things I've learned from theatre and how how to kind of use a space in a stage in an audience and trying to bring that through to the music stuff and also not leaving the people that like my poetry stuff out at yeah. a music gig, you know, because on the tour that we just did, looking out in the crowd and we're there with all our electronic drum kits ready to have a rave and there's yeah. a couple of people that, you know, they've obviously heard me telling a bit of poems on like Radio 4 or whatever and they're yeah. here to like... And like part of me is like, oh no, this is a different thing, but then actually... I love the fact that they've come to check it out and I don't want them to be feeling like this isn't for them just yeah. because there's music with it. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think about how to like bring all the worlds together and have like have a wicked party and have it being like fucking brilliant and like ravey and everything, but at the same time that the poetry still lands and the words still connect. And yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, a lifelong struggle, it's, isn't I mean, it? It's like, great because as you, that, that's exactly it is. It is a... A lifelong struggle, but in a good way. It's continually learning these new tricks and tweaks yeah. that you want to add add add, add to the show. When I did my Edinburgh Fringe show in two thousand and thirteen, I think it was doing a show on my own in the same venue and same space nineteen nights in a row completely changed how I think of what I'd been doing for three or four years with Dan or with the live band or whatever because. 
by the end of that run, it was a show rather than a gig. Mm. And I've never had that. And again, like you've obviously had that with a brand new Ancients and, and new some things, but that that blew me away. That was like, right, you know, even it's really hard to explain, even though it might feel like a gig, it felt by that point I'd got it so tight and I yeah. knew all the, I knew exactly how to, how much to give the audience and when to pull it back and when to put the gaps in and all that. And it felt right. It's a show now. I yeah. can do more of that with the music as well, as well, rather than thinking, let's have a look at the set list. I like, here's the songs that we're going to play in this order. Yeah. So I'm like, no, this is the performance. This is the, yeah, this yeah, is the whole yeah. thing. And yeah, I think that's an ever evolving thing. And that was, I said that was after five, 600 gigs. Easy. I'd done at that point, I'd done five, 600 gigs in my career. And it was at that point I went, oh shit, there's a difference. <laughs> this isn't, you know, so I think that's a great thing that's ever evolving yeah. and ever. And like, you know, when you improving. watch, if you watch somebody that's really kind of thought about that kind of side of it, I mean, somebody like amazing, like Bjork, and I see, you yeah. know, when you see someone like Bjork and yeah, like what she's crazy, doing right? with amazing. stage and space and like spectacle is like... Oh, I mean, I bring it back to this this regularly, but I went to see the Kate Bush shows. Yeah, right. And that was just <laughs> yeah. amazing. It was that exact thing as we were discussing how it's something that can never exist outside of it. That will never happen again or exist yeah. again because that wasn't a tour. It wasn't a gig. It was the reason it's truly... Unique. I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast before or just to all my my friends and family and loved ones about to hear me say this a million times, but apologies to both sets of people. Um, it's such a unique set of circumstances, the fact that she got huge, toured once and then didn't gig or do anything music industry-wise for 20 years, or yeah. definitely didn't gig. She did some albums, but still yeah. had big gaps. She went off and just and was a mother and yeah. was a family person and, and lived that role so to then come back and do these huge run of sold out huge shows that had such theatrical parts going on huge sets everything moving that was again it was like it made me think and again it's the same i've had with bjork it made me think the the fuck am i doing out there each (laughs) night just strolling out with a a bottle of wine in my hand and doing some songs and then going off it's like it's mind-blowing that there's so much that you can add and so much that you yeah. can do, and particularly for someone like you who's got feet in so many different areas from th- theatre to music uh, to literature. I think there's... See I look what happens in 20 years, how much it? crossover and things there is that come naturally. Again, it's and it has to be natural. It can't be a... I need to... Example there, I'm like, I need to appeal to all the different fan bases, so I'm going to put on a theatre rap show or some sh- shit like that that just wouldn't work. It's like, but there will be elements from all of those things that you'll bring in naturally, and it'll be you'll be doing them for months before you realise, oh shit, I've actually got that from my yeah, yeah, more, yeah. more from my theatre experience than from my my rap show or music show experience. And yeah, mum, yeah, it's interesting that you can't like. You can't like think about it, like if you th- if you think about it too much, what you're doing, it's not the same as just like working it out, you yeah. know, as you go. Like none of this was planned. If if I yeah. if I'd sat down and made this plan, it'd be a fucking terrible plan. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's like if same, if I'd sat down and same. been like, oh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this, and then that's gonna lead to that, and then maybe I'll get into doing that. It's just it's it's not true. You just gotta fucking do do what you love, do what you do what you have to do, do what you couldn't not do, yeah. and just keep doing it, and just remember that every time. An opportunity arises, you've got to just run at it and like try and make it your own. I just on on the drive here, I had my um my publisher on the music yeah. side of things on the phone on the phone, kind of asking what the plan is, and it was the exact same thing. It was like the plan's been is what it's always been of just to do cool shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's about it. Going. That might end up being, I might not, I'm, I'm not going on stage this year. I might never go on stage again. Who knows? I, I, I plan no. to. But you know what I mean? It's that depends what it's just there's some cool stuff i want to do and i want to keep doing that rather than as you said people assume you had some big plan where we're going to do this and then i'm going to i, I write this play and then work on yeah. the album and it's like just if if it, it, it falls into its own calendar i guess i'm trying to say well uh, we've gone uh, well over, over the hour mark <laughs> but i just want to have one one a, a little bit extra at the end because we've not touched on it it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things that we often have conversations about what hip-hop either are you feeling now or made you want to do what you're doing because wow. that's something that on when me you and polar bear toured i remember having the realization that people probably assume that we're spending every day in the van having deep philosophical conversations <laughs> and changing the course of the the future in a in 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 the back of this small van with, with sound man jim up the front making sound effect noises <laughs> um and in reality we would just be going, oh, listen to this track. Do you remember this? Just playing hip hop and just <laughs> yeah, yeah. and talking about rap and stuff like that. So what? Well, like the so the the big the big ones that changed my life for the you know just the really lyrical MC is probably the same for a lot of people that are a similar age. So it was it was Wu Tang and it was Jizza and it was Lauren Hill and it was Big L and it was uh, Guru and it was um, Most Deaf and Farrah Munch and it was uh, well Farrah Munch particularly was like you know yeah. and still now is just the king of it he's the one man he's, he's, he's the he's, king his album uh, uh, recently just PTSD. to come back that strong was just oh, blew me away and, and, and Farrah was one for me that going to see him live mm. changed everything about him for me as well because i knew his biggest songs and i knew a few of his tracks but seeing him just stroll out so casually in a mm. big big puffer jacket and then just as soon as he took the mic just owning mm. everything was just yeah it's one based, of the most amazing it? just instantly just stealing the stage yeah things he's the but guy yeah. and then like more recently uh, Jay Electronica, Dirty Goods. Uh, there's a girl called Little Sims who I'm loving. I she's think she's brilliant. Right I think now, she's right? brilliant. And, um, it's, it's crazy because it feels that there's tons of hype and everything behind her. And I can only find a limited amount of stuff. Like it seems she's, or she still feels yeah, insanely coming. new, yeah, but man. it feels like. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. Head, right? And um, oh man, who else is like, obviously LP and the Run the Jewels thing with Killer Mike. I think yeah. it's incredible. Young Fathers, I think they're astonishing. Um, and, then, and then like. Like on on the kind of lyrical side of it, I also get blown away by like Bob Dylan, Neil yeah. Young. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, it's the same kind of connection of like, oh my gosh, what did they just say? Like, whoa! But then um, it's interesting because I just made this. I just sat in for Giles and, and did yeah, this radio show where I was just playing and just like thinking about what I wanted to play and how I wanted to. And like, you must get it all the time when you were doing your radio shows. Like, yeah. suddenly you want to play all this hip hop, and suddenly you realise. How much profanity! Like you, I didn't even realise that there was well, swear words in his song. The beat so. down, and it's why I've not really. Um, I had some things. I was, I, 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 was, I was meant to be doing a, a, a sitting for Giles as well, but I had some things out of my control, kind of stop that. But it would have been really tough because like, the thing with the beat down was I played yeah, it was all the okay, profanity. We yeah. just would, we were on at midnight on Saturday night. No one gave a fuck. We could yeah. kind of, and that's been the, <laughs> the beauty of doing the podcast as well there's no one to, to tell me off it's yeah. kind of I just do it myself so that was a really scary and hard thing to get my head around on the BBC front was like 
I've got to feel th- three hours and I can't have, can't have one swear all the swears <laughs> that I love. And they're so descriptive, so important to the fucking particularly music. Hip-hop, like, particularly hip-hop. Yeah, it, it, it really killed me on, on, on Radio 1 uh, back in the day hearing uh, when Eminem really yeah. blew up. And I love or hate Eminem. He's one of the tightest, no, he's incredible. most technical he's incredible. writers of all time. But hearing uh, one of his songs on the radio and it being bleeped so much, yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. why are you playing this? Yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. play this and that was my kind of thing on 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 it, if I had got a chance to do the stuff for Giles which I would have loved to it would have been amazing but there would have been too many songs I'd be like I love this song but I don't I don't want to play a clean edit of it yeah. I can get a clean yeah, edit yeah, but yeah. I don't want to play it's a clean like, edit yeah, of it I'd yeah, rather yeah. play something else I'd rather play something that can be exactly as it was meant to be rather than something I love kind of cut yeah. down and tied up kind of thing yeah I know what you mean but like well I feel it's like an ongoing journey I'm still finding loads of like Jay Electronica is at the minute for me I'm just, I just listen to him all the time I just think he's fantastic and then like also like Deb Prez I'm kind of revisiting yeah um, so many all just all oh Chester P Jam Baxter's got this new record out called um, So We Ate Them Whole right che- it's I think it's because astonishing I think it's the, one of the since, since From the Ashes which is the Chester P album that I'm like always banging on about From the Ashes Chester P is like I think what the best album to come out of the kind of UK hip hop scene it's the most complete and like full and interesting but it's like nowhere no one it's like nobody knows yeah. it I don't know where I even got a copy of it I can't even remember where I found it but anyway that and then this new So We Ate Them Whole which is produced by Chemo yeah. it's Jam Baxter record it's fucking brilliant it's so good and I think from that whole high focus thing, for yeah. me, Jan Baxter is the guy. Like he is, yeah. he's so poetic and like psychedelic and like forwards and also like gentle and his flows like so, he's got a really interesting flow. Like he'll just switch it up like three or four times in, in a four minute track. But yeah. the kind of, the flows are all complementary of each other. It's just, I think he, I th- he's for, at the minute actually. Yeah, he's the guy that um, nice. I'm really buzzing about. Well, that's perfect. That's a good point to uh, to wrap things up. We're kind of at the ninety minute mark, so that's kind of that's beautiful. No, that's that's beautiful. That's, oh, that's what we need. So, yeah. Or, or where can can people keep up with all the things you're doing? I love the fact that while you're in Whitstable, you're kind of off the radar yeah. completely, and that's good. That's what I need to do. That's that's a good creativity kind of tool there because I love Twitter and Instagram and all of these. They're great promotional tools, but they're also sucks so much time and life yeah, out of yeah, you so yeah, but yeah well, where can people keep up well we're about to go off on tour for ages so people can we can come see us if you're in the uk Starting or america February or Europe. 8th, is it? 8th, i think it's 9th. the 7th in portsmouth it's the 7th in portsmouth nice. and then and then we're doing like we're going all over the uk we're going to go to it's first time of being to glasgow and edinburgh so if you guys are listening from scotland like please come and see us because it's first time up there amazing that's going to be huge and then um there's like, I've got mailing lists and all that stuff. I'm a bit rubbish on the internet, but like I do exist there. Are you so on Twitter, come and find right? me. Yeah, yeah. And 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 where can they find you? Uh, come uh, on, Kate, uh, help me out. Uh, yeah. uh, Kate Tempest. <laughs> and then uh, I've got a website as well. And we I'm trying to get more into being more active on it. But I'm just like when I when the choice is update your on, in online profile or like write a new rhyme. Yeah. It's like. So you're going to be in Portsmouth on on, on February seventh at the Wedgwood Rooms. Bristol oh, well on February 8th, Brighton <laughs> on the 10th, 11th of February is B- 
Birmingham, 12th Manchester, 14th Leeds, 15th London, 17th Nottingham, 18th Liverpool, 19th Hull, 23rd Glasgow and 24th Edinburgh. The Bristol one, I, I, I posted about these uh, this morning. See, the Bristol one, a lot of people think are sold out. It's been moved up to a bigger room so you can still get tickets yes. there. So get involved in, in that and go and see I this say, amazingness. Um, Loyal Karner, who's another amazing rapper who's coming up and he's brilliant. He's yeah. like, he's young and he's so he's so good and he's going to come and support. So That's he'll wicked. be with us for the again, whole tour. A, a lot of the people who have heard of you of my fan base it's from supporting us and yeah, yeah, again yeah. that's it's so key that people I mean to me it's just the cheap a South London side of me is if I'm paying for a concert ticket I want to get my fucking money's worth yeah, so yeah. the fact is people like us and particularly if you've come up through support slots yeah yeah really choose their support and want to put someone on that's dope and is going to blow you away so if you indicate you should be getting there early yeah get there early man definitely your money's worth man and especially in, I think we've got a little secret surprise in, in a couple of them as well I'm going to ask um, well wait and see we'll see so uh, come and see the show It's. I think it's going to be really good fun it's going to be great well thank you very much Kate Tempest thanks Pip thanks all Pips listeners nice one bye You've been listening to Squibbish Pit's Discretion Pieces. That was episode 16. Was it 16 or 17? I can't remember. I said at the start, but I've forgotten now. 17. I wonder if I said 16 at the start. That was Kate Tempest is what I'm trying to tell you here. Um, I really enjoyed that. It was lovely to see Kate. She seems in a really good place. Um, Yeah. That was great fun. Um, we're at the end of the podcast, obviously. I wanted to tell you um, that about my club night, uh, We Are Lizards. Um, I've got a club night I've been doing for three years now, three years of sold-out nights. Um, this month is at the Book Club in Hoxton in London. It's on Saturday the 28th of February. Um, I'll be DJing. We've got a DJ set from the brand new Heavies, um, from Push Music, Redshift Rebels, Disco Stew, and DJ Destruction, who is our kind of our secret... A, a weapon that everyone kind of goes crazy for every, every every month. So come down and check us out. I'll be there all night. You can get your name on the guest list by sending your name to info at trash at the trash society dot com. Um, but in general, just come on Twitter at Scroobius Pipio or Instagram at Scroobius Pipio or Facebook.com slash Scroobius Pip for all that information. We are lizards at the book club February twenty eighth. Come on down. Next week's guest is Mr. Rufus Hound, um, actor, comedian, all sorts of stuff. He's wonderful on Twitter. I, I really enjoy He's quite um, a political activist on, on Twitter. So, yeah, generally great guy. It's really good to sit down and chat with him. So if you can click that subscribe button now. Um, also, I, I decided I'm going to start doing these. If you enjoyed this podcast... Uh, with Kate Tempest. Obviously, podcasts have loads of guests and, and some you will and won't have heard of. So I thought I'd do more recommends of if you enjoyed this one then I'd, and you've not listened to the rest, I'd recommend going and checking out the Killer Mike podcast. Uh, we mentioned him in the show. Um, the Sage Francis podcast, the B. Dolan one and the Open Mike Eagle one. All all really worth listening. And, and last week's Riz Ahmed, actually. So they're just a few tips if you enjoyed this week's one and it's your first time listening to the distraction pieces podcast other than that please subscribe and we will see you next wednesday with rufus hound bye